The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Sex Lives. I'm your host, Maureen O'Connor. It is a truth universally acknowledged that when a group of guys are talking about sex in the locker room or a group of women are talking about romance at a bar, somebody somewhere is probably exaggerating or straight up lying. This is a problem that plagues people like me who write about sex in a journalistic capacity, but it's also a dilemma that is powering creative endeavors. In studio with me is Andrea Salenzi, the host of a podcast called YOY that willfully blends memoir with fiction. For her podcast, she's recorded the first date she went on with her boyfriend, a fight that she kind of forced him into for the sake of the podcast, and now finally their excruciating breakup. Part of What I was really excited to talk to you about is that you recently did an episode that sort of pieced and pulled apart this relationship that you recently exited. You talked about your breakup with your boyfriend, who is a guy you actually met during a dating experiment for YOY. That's right. Hey. Hi. Hold on a second. Yeah, hey, it's your idea. <laughs> I knew when I met him yeah. that I'd met someone who was about to change my life, who I loved really deeply. I had the best two years of my life with him. Like, we were grateful every day. Like, you know, when you go through the the reel in your mind of your happiest moments, all of those are with him. They're moments on the beach. They're moments over dinner. You know, just these cosmic moments where you're so deeply connected to someone. They're saying things that are so funny that no one has ever said to you before. Um I, like, loved him completely. And, yeah, it just feels like it's so rare that you meet someone you could love that much. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often. And so that the feeling of we know it's going to end happened because you had the conversation when he said, I don't think I want kids. And you said, I do. Yeah. The breakup only took 10 minutes. You said, how does a relationship work if you know it's going to end? I said, but what if you change your mind? We've been having the conversation in different ways for a while, but never this calm. I noticed your fly was down. I patted your knee like a chum. We're not going to make it, are we? Suddenly, we felt like buddies. I went into the next room to try to find a new apartment. I emailed a broker, seeking a dog-friendly room to cry in. Crossed out, room to cry in. Wrote in, studio. You came into the study to check on me and finally noticed your fly. You said, has it been this way the whole time? We were both too sad to laugh. A rash spread around my neck. The movers came. I hugged you in the morning, your body suddenly stiff like an ironing board. I still keep a list on my phone of all the stuff I want to tell you about. Does he know about like the notes you keep of the things you want to tell him like do you think he listened to this episode he did and he liked it we had a beer i read him the list it's i mean we're good he's an awesome guy so you guys are still friends uh i think we're trying we're trying not to talk or text and that's i mean we're successfully not talking or texting but he did dog sit my dog and that was very nice and that's when we had a beer and talked it out yeah and there was a moment there i was able to tell him like i don't 
think I'm going to meet someone I like as much as you again. Like, you're really awesome. Our relationship, just okay. But who you are was is really amazing, and I don't think I'm going to find that. What did he say? I think he agreed. But he's also the kind of dude who wants to be alone. Like, he loves his solitude, and that's such a big part of this. And he says if he were to grow old and die alone, he'd be totally fine with it. Well, that's not a guy to have kids with. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Do you still have that note in your phone? Yeah. Do you want to hear anything? No, you have to fucking delete it, girl. I'm really? sorry. Yeah. You have to get him out of your head if you ever mm. can move on. As long as he's in your mind as the perfect guy, how can anyone measure up to that? If you were to go on a date with somebody and they already have this preconceived idea of who you ought to be or what they want, you would feel kind of like, hey, you're not treating me fairly. You're not really open to meeting the person in front of you. I don't think about him that much. Yeah. You know, because like, thinking about him makes me really sad. And it's it's great to have work I care about right now. Yeah. So I'm thinking a lot about me. And that's it's actually kind of nice to reclaim your single brain. I always think about True. this ex-boyfriend I had who would leave his shoes all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'd always remember where his shoes were. And I just realized that part of my brain was constantly remembering where his shoes were because I knew he was about to ask me, Andrea, yeah. have you seen my shoes? And the joy of being single is that you don't have to remember where anyone's shoes are. I don't have to wonder, no. what would he think of this movie? Should I send him this article? Yeah. It's just my brain is entirely my own again, and it feels really good. That's the best part. I also think that part of that erasing process of, say, erasing the automatic, like, shoe memory, it doesn't have to be sex, right? But it's like when the last body you've been intimate with, like, romance is this person's body. Kissing is his mouth right now because that's just all you've, right? And it's, but you get, yeah, you get chemically bonded to someone and I almost can't remember how to try, like, how to expose myself to someone else's germs because I got so in that... (laughs) Like when I picture, well, don't think about the germ part. Just no, think about the sexy I, part. No, but when I think about kissing a guy. I think about like how gross teeth are and what they smell like, and I think about how food goes in your mouth, and I think about stubble and how it like rips my face apart if you're near it, and I just don't want to kiss anyone. Like I'm starting to develop crushes, but then I picture that next step of of going that close to their face, and I can't even imagine it. And it's just part of the unwinding of a breakup that's yeah starting to take hold. Do you always have germ issues? I normally <laughs> don't. I'm like, I... You know what? This is just your brain expressing yeah. I'm not ready yet, right? Yes. And your unconscious mind is throwing up blocks that your conscious mind can comprehend, which is like germs. Right. My physical repulsion at the idea of another person is is totally coming from my emotional self. I was fine with all that, that before. I think I need a sex life with myself first is what I've been thinking about a little bit. Ah. Uh, that I'll burn some sage, I'll buy some new vibrators, I'll like, you know, clean out my underwear totally. drawer, get some new ones, and then and then just start to feel like my own sexiness first. And then I'll yeah. welcome someone else into that. Hmm. Yeah. I've just yeah, I'm trying to think about my prescription for my my new sexy sex life of my own. <laughs> Cause it's like a it's a thing that needs to be taken care of. Actually, I think I wonder if this is happening to other women, like since Donald Trump became president. I would like to have an orgasm. I don't know if my brain can shut down long enough to do it. So you haven't had an orgasm since Election Day? Yeah. You can't shut Donald Trump off? I can't. I'm so afraid and scared and disturbed. But I do. I My hope for the future is that 
this will be some kind of cool underground, like sexually rebellious moment for our country that like sex will matter more now that we're not supposed to be having it. Um, I can't believe Donald Trump is ruining your ability to have orgasms. That's terrible. There's just no it's hard to imagine the place of um, sex in a terrifying new world right now. Well, that's also what's great about sex and about masturbation is that I talked to somebody once who said masturbation is almost just a statement of owning a place in a certain way that like this is my room. This is my apartment. This is my studio apartment that I could be crying in or I could be masturbating in it because nobody gets to tell me what I do here behind a closed door. Like that is your space, your mind to shut down the outside world or let it in when you so choose. Hmm. I mean, get something that like plugs in or something that looks oh, yeah, like something that else. plugs into the wall. Those are yeah. so much crazier and different. <laughs> yeah. yes. Whole new experience. Yes. That's doable. <laughs> <laughs> this is my boyfriend. So now are you looking, are you going to be looking for somebody who wants to have kids or was it that you wanted kids with this guy? Mm. I, th- I think I'm going to bring up kids sooner if I could see someone being worthy of that. Yeah. So what's your dating advice for me here? Is like, do you, when do you bring up kids on a date? Like, or how far into dating relationship do you bring that up? I have a friend who tells me that he goes on dates with women and they'll bring it up right away. Mm-hmm. And then that's instantly someone he doesn't want to continue seeing just because it feels too transactional. It feels well. Imagine it in it your ratchets the pressure up yeah. pretty high. Yes, I mean in theory, if you're having sex with somebody, you should be able to talk about kids, right? Because if you're having sex with somebody, you are theoretically using a condom or some kind of birth control. And if you can talk about birth control, you should be able to talk about birth, right? Yeah. So I should be able to say, oh, just so you know, I'm on the pill. We're using a condom, and I want to have one kid in seven years. <laughs> I always I always do the like um, the fire escape, the abortion chat really quick. I always go like, just so you know, if we were to do this, I would definitely have an abortion right now. I should just add a coda to that. But I also want a kid in seven years. (sighs) This is so dark right now. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, it's real. And I think that's something that I like about your podcast. I think that's something a lot of people like is that it's so incredibly honest, like painfully honest sometimes, as is the case with the episode when you really go through the difficulty of that breakup with someone you love. But one thing that's really interesting to me is that you also take that sort of sense of realism, but you blend fiction with reality sometimes. The lines are blurry. Um, In these studios that we're sitting in now, I set up 10 guys, um, all single straight dudes, and I asked them about their dating lives. Mm -hmm. One of them was a plant. Did you say who the plant was? No. What did the plant do? What was the purpose of the plant? He was provocative. Like he was an actor? Or like he was a person who was instructed to act a certain way? Yes. Why? That's the stuff I'm playing with right now. I mean, that's what made that episode interesting to me. It wasn't—I mean, I'm curious to hear what these guys tell me about their dating lives, but I also wanted to create a scenario where— more would happen beyond that. So within so, the group, there was some infighting. There was a lot of tension. Some of the guys didn't, this didn't totally make the episode, but some of the guys threatened to punch each other. <laughs> like interesting stuff happened in that group that I think was provoked by a performer. Did the guys know that there was a performer among them? Did you ever tell them? No. Do, did you tell the listeners at any point? Oh. I'm guessing what, he was saying really gross shit or... No, he's just performing a character. You just go up and introduce yourself. You go up and this is what we call hollering. You just holler. <laughs> now that's some sexist crap. Can, can you give some holler. strategies holler? to these other guys for holler? how you guys how do, you do it? Randy Christopher, like how do you walk up to a girl and actually talk to her? 
You act like a man. You, you see someone in a bar. Wow. And you go wow. up. Wow. He just what? castrated That's all of us. That will not fly in New York City. Wow. Can I, can, no, no, but, but look. Can look. No, 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 but wait, wait, wait. Can I ask you a question? No, though? that's ridiculous. Can, it, what, can you, if, if, you don't, if you don't mind sharing, can you walk us through the last time that you, you don't have to name any names, but like how you did it, the last person that you walked up to like a man? Yeah, it was last weekend. I was at Club Secrets in Ocean City, Maryland. That sounds like a strip club. He was at the strip club. You dropped some woods. You can holler at anybody. Ocean City, Maryland. Whisper. It's not a strip club. Was she in the thong and some, some clear heels? <laughs> okay, so... In, like, sociology, you know, when people use deception, afterwards they have to debrief the subjects and tell them, like, there was a deception involved. You weren't really shocking that person in the other side of the room. You didn't actually kill them or you weren't actually in a prison, Stanford prison experiment people. Um, It wasn't that heavy. I mean, we're talking about dating here. This isn't the news and it isn't, you know, I'm not informing votes. We're just we're trying to craft interesting stories about how we date today. And I'm using lots of different tools to get there. Do you think your listeners would feel deceived if they knew? No, it says right on the byline of the show that we're yeah. blending real and fake stories. Um, think about um, uh, YouTube videos. If you see something that's just like too unbelievable, you'll say, oh, was that a Jimmy Kimmel? Or like if an image is too goofy, you're like, oh, was that Photoshopped? Like we don't listen with those same ears. And I kind of want to start thinking about how we could. I kind of don't want to listen with those ears. I kind of like knowing whether things are true or not. I mean, obviously, I mean, I come from a journalistic background. Obviously, I work for, you know, New York Magazine is in charge of what I do here. And thus, we do not fictionalize. But I think what I really, what bothers me about this idea is that there are misogynists out there. You want to get a misogynist who will to- talk openly in your single straight guy panel? Fucking find a misogynist and get him to say it. It's unfair because I know that that's not what you're doing. It's different. And yet the thing is, whenever somebody tells me that was the emotional truth, then I'm like, you know what? There's no such thing as an emotional truth. There's the truth. If you need to bend a fact in order to convey a quote unquote emotional truth, then what you actually need to do is explain how the emotional landscape of the actual truth explain it better, you know? And I'm not saying this as like, I'm not trying to criticize you directly of like, what you're doing is interesting. What you're doing exists in every other medium. And yet there's something that feels, I mean, in some ways I think it's that we're not used to it in podcasts of marking what is fake and what is real. And when it's blurred, as is often the case in that happens on TV, that happens in books, it happens all over the place. I didn't know that you were blending fact and fiction until actually I saw you saying that on a panel. And I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. So then I listen. And all I can think about when I'm listening is like, is this true or is it not? I don't know how I feel about that, because on one hand, it's like I think that sounds like it's part of your purpose of making people ask, could this be true? Could it not? But on the other hand, doesn't that just mean when you're telling something that is, yeah, life really is this damn awkward, everyone's just going to think that part's fake. Like, everybody will just think that the parts they want to believe are true and the parts that can't be true aren't. I just, my goal is, I hope that people, I mean, I want them to be asking that question, but that I also want them to stop caring and just enjoy the stories for what they are, you know, and just, I don't, I hope that the episodes can still are just still entertaining without knowing if it's if my ex was all made up or not. Yeah. 
Oh my God, did you make him up? No. No, you couldn't have. <laughs> There's far too much. Whoa, that would be the ultimate grift. I know. And then you like pick up your cup and on the bottom it says Silenzi and you yeah, walk we're, out. we're still together. <laughs> yeah. The usual suspects. You guys, I'm so pregnant right now. <laughs> I sometimes, Andrea... Like me, I'm sometimes yeah. a character in my own show. And that's that's a fun thing for me to play with. Yeah. It is confusing for everyone, especially like I don't think I'm necessarily hitting it out of the park with that. But I like experimenting with how to do it right. I mean, what's fun about it or what's good about being a character in your own show? I've just been in podcasting for so long. All mm-hmm. the shows, so many shows sound so alike to me. Yeah. And I want to see how we can push the boundaries of the medium. And this is a way that I'm playing with that. Do you think it's changed the way you see your actual self, having this sort of doppelganger self that exists in your mind as well? There's not. She's not fully. There's not like a fully formed other person going on in here. No. Has doing the podcast, do you think, changed the way you actually live your personal life in any way? That's the thing I'm afraid of now that I'm getting back into dating is that mm-hmm. I'll experience all dates and all romantic interactions in a that kind of heightened reporter way where Mm -hmm. I'm paying attention, paying attention. Um, But also maybe that was a choice I made, that it makes dating feel less like it's happening to me and more like a thing that I'm studying. Like it's a distancing technique in some ways. Yeah. Uh, It'll be hard. I'm not planning to record every date, but I don't think it's impossible that I will record a date again. I think it's very likely that (laughs) I'll come up with something um, something I've been working on right now is uh, kind of collecting all the different bits of dating advice I've been getting. And mm-hmm. then I just ran them by an economist and asked him which one I should take seriously. Um, and I think he basically ended up telling me to join a club. So the economist being that he was telling you how to like efficiently maximize your dating and likelihood of finding someone. Yeah, I was paired with him through Planet Money and he originally told me to go on Skype dates, which worked great for saving my Thursday night to spend with a person who I found more interesting than the other possible candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of my Skype dates, the guy spent half the conversation just telling me how he'd rearranged all the furniture in his bedroom. And I was just so bored. I was so bored. I was so grateful I didn't meet him for a drink to hear that story. (laughs) Well, Well, on the other hand, he wouldn't have been in his bedroom, so maybe he would have talked about something different. If you're boring, you're boring. You know, like right away if someone's interesting. So and but then when I went on my little Skype date with Mike, who ended up becoming my boyfriend, like that was a great conversation. Yeah, he was really open and honest and cute on camera. This works if you're a lady. It doesn't necessarily work if you're a guy asking women to go on Skype dates with you. But um, my friend Stephanie, this is also working for her really well. Yeah, it's just like a way to make sure it's going to be a good experience if you go through if you devote that Thursday night to someone. I think that. If you just force yourself of, like, every time you go out, be like, I'm going to talk to one new person, man or woman, right? Doesn't matter. But you're going to introduce yourself to one new person every single time. At least, you know, then you'll just widen your pool. Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite mottos is say yes to the party. You know? Yes. If you're like, should I stay in? Should I go to the party? Just go to the party. Yeah. I support this. I don't actually have any good advice, though. I'm really bad at giving advice. I will say that setting, like, a goal for yourself, as stupid as that sounds, in, like, a homework way, I think that works. Like, I had one friend who, she has a boyfriend now, and it happened because she was so, like, I don't want to be on Tinder. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I was like, look, either you need to go introduce yourself to three new people over the course of the week. You can go to a party and introduce yourself to people, or you need to go on three dates 
off Tinder. And I was like, you must have this done by Monday. And if not, I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. Oh, and such a good friend. And so she went on a Tinder date. It sucked. And I was like, you have to. You promised me you would. I'm not going to hang out with you again until you do this. She went on a second date. It was fine. And the third date is now her boyfriend. And it worked. I mean, granted, like, obviously, the anecdotes I tell are the ones that worked. But I have this friend who had this um, thing. She's called the five-second flirt. And it was her technique for, like, getting a dude. And she's like, look, once you've done the five-second flirt, you know whether or not he's available. And this is actually the hardest thing in the world. She's like, you make eye contact with him. Make sure he sees you. You kind of, like, move around a little while so he knows you aren't just zoned out. Oh Keeping eye contact with a stranger for five seconds is fucking impossible. But if at the end he will either get up and walk to you and buy you a drink or he will be like, get the fuck away, I'm married. But either way, you've got your answer. <laughs> so true. Try, so to make eye con- yes. try to make eye contact with somebody for five seconds and see because honestly, it's fucking impossible. And at the end, like every now and then there's like a woman be like, get away from my man. And you're like, oh, shit, wrong one. Um, <laughs> I do think the secret to dating is having a high tolerance for fuck ups or like if whether yes way you calibrate your dating life should always just be based on whether rejection bothers you or whether it rolls off you like if it's if you're gonna have like a bad day the next day because some dude at a bar said no then yeah you need to be more careful who you hit on um but if you can build the like i don't give a fuck yeah oh my god i think this is the best dating advice out of that whole list really yeah the five-second flirt. I think it's a great idea. The key. So you make, you lock the eyes, give a little smile, and you, like, move around. You, like, lift your drink or, you know. So the key being you don't want to look like you, yeah, just totally zoned out and you're just, like. Yeah, he needs to know you're looking. Yeah. Try it. Time yourself. <sighs> okay, we're going to do Siri, it. Siri, set a timer for five seconds and then and then do it. Next time on YOY. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Um, I'll have listeners call in. Is there anything you want to hear from listeners about? I'm really curious. How are you filtering for Trump voters in your dating life? Like, are you adding it to your online dating profile? Are you asking the guy in the message before the first date? Yeah. Because I, I dated Bush voters. I was fine with that. But Trump feels very different to me because he's an openly misogynist sexual predator. And just anyone who could have voted for him isn't someone I feel safe having a drink with. That phone line is 646-494-3590. It's a voicemail line. So call and leave us a message about how you're screening to avoid dating Trump voters or to find them and how your political life is interfering or enhancing your love life right now. That's 646-494-3590. Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. That's it for now. We'll talk to you next week. Side note, I literally just got a text message from a friend who said, I flirted with a boy at an anti-Trump benefit last night. He was working the photo booth and she's asking how to ask him out. People really are falling in love through hardship.